0: Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today, feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson.
1: We're talking about the historical Jesus today. Is there historical proof for the life of Jesus Christ? Well I have given you in the handouts some of the historians that I found. Let me just say there is more historical proof for the life of Jesus Christ between the scriptures and historians than any other person of the ancient world. Imagine that! More evidence than any person of the ancient world. That's more than the Caesars, Men like Josephus who wrote 20 volumes, and I've given you Josephus' account here, and let me just say it's interesting because they account for Jesus, and I've given you kind of a synopsis, and then the actual renderings where he speaks of Jesus, and some of the different things that the historians have spoken about, Tacticus, Suetonius, Pliny the Younger, let's see, I've got. More and more pages of all of those, don't Julius of Africa, the Babylonian Talmud, Lucian, Marabar Serapian. Some of those were just the ones that I've given you, the historical notes. And it's interesting because they said, such as Pliny the Younger says, that the Christians were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light when they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God and bound themselves by a solemn oath not to any wicked deeds but never to commit any fraud, theft, or adultery, never to falsify their word nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it up, after which it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary and innocent kind. So all of these things have shown. Josephus talks about Jesus. They talk about Christians. They talk about the impact the early Christians had. So I won't belabor all of the notes. You have them. You can look them over. Well, as I said, I've given you the, kind of the gist of the quote and then the exact quotes in your notes. Having said all of that, let's get into the Word of God. In John chapter 1, I'd like to begin reading in verse 19 and read through verse 37. And I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? that we may give an account to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were with him from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he whose coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose." These things were done in Bethabra, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world this is he of whom I said after me comes a man who is preferred before me for he was before me I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel therefore I came baptizing with water John bore witness saying I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him I did not know him But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, And they followed Jesus. I'm going to stop right there. Right mid paragraph. Because Lord willing we will get through three days of consecutive history. Did you get that from our readings where it said the next day, the next day, the next day. We have actually four days, if you look at verse 43, four days that are consecutive in the life of Jesus Christ. Now understand that the historical Jesus is a true living person. Sometimes we might think of Jesus as just being something far off that doesn't pertain to us, but he is a real person that had suffered on a real Roman cross. By the way, the Romans used crucifixion to try to bring the Jews into subjection. They used crucifixion quite a bit to try to keep the people under control. But in John's testimony, John isn't so worried like the other synoptic gospels. And when I say synoptic gospels, you understand that they give a synopsis. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They speak of the same things. John's gospel is a little different. John tells us exactly what his purpose was at the close of his gospel. It is that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. John had one purpose, and that's why I've chosen this as the testimony of Jesus. Because this testimony of Jesus, as we've seen historians testify of Jesus, today we see John's testimony of Jesus. We won't go through verses 1 through 18, but that is a theological presentation of who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. So you see, John's purpose is exact. It goes back and it tells us all of the various things that he wanted to make sure that the other Gospels didn't include. Now, it is important to have all four of the Gospels. I don't want you to think that I'm saying John's Gospel is more important. Not so. Remember, in the Jewish life and in the Jewish culture, everything had to be established by two or three witnesses. You have Matthew's witness, you have Mark's witness, you have Luke's witness. Three witnesses of all of the things from the birth of Christ to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Three witnesses. John comes and he has one purpose in mind and that is to show you that Jesus is the very Son of God. God come in the flesh. God come among us that we might have eternal life. That's John's sole purpose. It's crystal clear. These things have been written, as he says, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's what John was wanting us to see. And so we began with the life of John the Baptist where we've begun reading in verse 19, we come right on the scene of John the Baptist. And I'm going to try to specify I'm talking about John the Baptist because sometimes I might just get to preaching and say, well, John said this, well, Brother Paul, which John are you talking about? So the apostle John wrote these things so that we would understand all that has taken place and. He does not go into John the Baptist's early life. Now, the other Gospels do. The other Gospels talk about Zacharias, his father, who was a Levite. And there were so many Levites that there was a very short period of time that they would be allowed to go in and work in the temple. Because of Zacharias's unbelief when the Lord said, that I'm going to give you a son, he was stricken mute. He was was not able to speak. And so none of John, the Apostle John's Gospel tells us of those early days. We don't know about the early days of John the Baptist. We only know about from his birth. And once he is circumcised, you don't hear anything about him. He is out in the wilderness. We don't know anything about him except that he was the promised child. The scripture says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Now that's another topic we'll get into some other time. John the Apostle's first line of testimony is from John the Baptist. That this John that comes in a different way. When you look at the gospel, the other gospel accounts, we see that he was given as the prophet Elijah that he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Not that he is Elijah, but this first testimony of the Apostle John records the deity of Christ and the message of John the Baptist, that this message would be so well understood that we could see that this is the culmination Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. By the way, remember the gospel, I I believe it's in Matthew's gospel. Jesus says of John, there's no greater man born. Now, just stop, think about just that statement. Jesus said no greater but than John the Baptist. You mean Abraham? Abraham is called a friend of God. You mean Moses? Moses, God used to bring such great miracles. What about King David? Solomon. What about the other prophets? What about the prophet Daniel? What about all of those? None of those others. Enoch, who walked with God, it said that John the Baptist, there was no greater than John the Baptist. And yet, John the Apostle gets right into his message. Gets right into the message of John the Baptist. We don't see him out in the wilderness eating the locust and having... Just the common poor poor man's clothing, the camel hair. We don't see anything of his former life when he was out there. As a matter of fact, we don't know much about the early life of Jesus until he comes into his, his public ministry. We know of about something like eight days from his birth when they present him in the temple when he is at 12 years old. And then we find him now at the wedding feast of Canaan. Those possibly eight days that we have of Jesus' early life. But of John the Baptist, we don't know anything except of his birth. And then he comes on the scene as a mighty preacher. As a matter of fact, I so loved in getting to study about John the Baptist. Because certain Jews and certain Pharisees come to John and he says, you brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John wasn't politically correct. Do you realize to call somebody a brood of vipers, I had to really study that out. Now a brood, we're not living around farmers much in this area. You've had brooders, maybe if you've had chicks, and that was all brooders came up kind of from the same group, huh? They were of the same age, they were of the same hatchling. That's the idea. I remember my cousins up in Redding, they were putting some posts and some fencing around in their land and came up to one place where there were a bunch of rocks. Put a post down in the rocks, and the rock came alive with rattles. The rattlesnakes everywhere. It Bended it up that they killed 17 rattlesnakes out of that one little hole. That's a brood of vipers. That's literally a brood of vipers where you have so many come together, so many snakes. Now, you can imagine how well a preacher would be accepted if he called you you bunch of rattlesnakes? <laughs> You're snakes in the grass. You're all of the same hatch. You're all born from the same group. That's John the Baptist. He's not politically correct. He is saying things exactly as they are, and yet people are thronging to him. Understand that there's been 400 silent years where there's been no prophet. Israel closes out, and the Old Testament closes out with Malachi with a promise of one who would be coming that would turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. The hearts of the children to their fathers. Understand also that John the Baptist was probably cousin to Jesus. Mary and Elizabeth were related. John the Baptist was born about six months before Jesus. And so even though he was born before Jesus, he says, Jesus was before me. Isn't that what he says? That he was ahead of me. He is before me. Why? Because he existed before me. But we know physically that that's not the case. John the Baptist was about six months older than Jesus. And yet, John the Baptist recognized that Jesus had been in existence from before. You see, the testimony of John the Baptist is a mighty testimony. He does not mince words. He does not struggle about any of these kinds of things. And you can go back and you can see the story of his father and how I bet his father, Zacharias, would have just been so proud to have said, here is my son. They've been barren for so many years, but here is my son and he has been promised that this child, this child will be the forerunner. After all of those years had passed, and you can find this again in Luke's Gospel, in Luke in chapter 1. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist takes up about 80 verses in the Gospel of Luke. But it said that in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, and that puts him around 26 or 27 AD, Pontius Pilate is now governor, Herod is Tetrarch, and his brother Philip is Tetrarch. Herod is in Galilee. Philip is in Ituria and some other areas. And it talks about all of the ones that were in control. Annas and Caiaphas were the two high priests. You know they were related. We've talked about that, how Annas was kind of behind the scenes. The Romans had pushed him out of position as high priest, even though it was something that they should have been given for life. But he was moved out, and so he brings in Caiaphas, his son-in-law, To work as the high priest. And we see that they are the architects of Jesus' death at the hands of the Romans. So we're all the way down and John at 30 years of age. Jesus at 30 years of age. And we read this. The word of God came to John the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the district around Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the books of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled. Every mountain hill will be brought low. Every crooked place becomes straight. The rough roads smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. So John the Baptist launched into his ministry by the word of God. They knew his history. They knew something about this John the Baptist. And finally, he's been out in the wilderness, but now he enters into the scene. And oh, the word of God comes upon him. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 4, it says that he suddenly appeared in the district preaching. All of a sudden he comes out of the wilderness. Matthew 3 verse 5, it says that Jerusalem and Judea and everywhere else, they all came to hear the preaching of John. He was courageous. He was bold. He was powerful. He was confrontive, as we said. And the people have a lot of interest in John the Baptist because of the greatness of his preaching they are they're just enthralled. In all of this time, and remember there would have been 10,000 of priests all over Israel, people teaching the Old Testament, doing their priestly functions, and year after year nothing had changed. We see also in John chapter 5 and 35 it says, we read that the people they were willing for a time, for a while to rejoice in his light. John was popular. He was popular as a preacher, but not only because of the power of his preaching, but in what his message was. He was saying, here comes Messiah. Messiah is coming. This was the message. This is what Israel wanted to hear. Messiah was coming. Remember, the Romans had been there keeping the people under control. Keeping the people down and trying to hold them, they had, Israel had been an occupied country for so long. They wanted Messiah to come to be the king, and John's message was very different because John comes preaching the message of repentance, and he is the first, and he's a very formidable testimony. He is the testifier of the deity of Christ. So we're talking about the historical Jesus Christ and that's why I wanted to use John the Baptist because John is testifying of who Jesus really is. And in three days, three days of John's life, three days of Jesus' life, he kept saying Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. And the people wanted to know. Now we're going to find, maybe I've got too many threes here, Because one of the things, we're going to look at three different types of people. We're looking at three days, three types of people. And even though he's a popular preacher, three times, John the Baptist says, I'm not able to loose the sandal straps of Jesus. I'm not even able. Who is, who came before me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. And he says it again, is it in verse 30? This is he of whom I have said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. So you see, Jesus... Is coming and he's being foretold and testified of his coming. And John says, I'm not even able to be a foot servant. Now the foot slave was the one that when the master came in, he would remove the master's sandals and he would wash his feet. It was the lowliest position in Israel of a slave. And that's who John says that he was. Now the church is looking for a pastor, that's the kind of pastor you want to find, someone like John. When they come and they're saying, You've, you're so popular, everybody wants to see you, everybody wants to be around you, who are you? And he says, I'm, I'm nothing, I can't even loosen, I, I'm lower than a foot slave, I can't even loosen the master's sandal. And sometimes we lose that idea.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics. Please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.